Alrighty, folks. So I was going to hold off and not podcast for a week or two because I'm thinking I need like a social media just pause. Like no more looking at stuff, no more posting stuff. Not even for this business, right? So I'm putting on some music, I'm listening to songs. Now, this is a song that's about 10, 12 years old called Soul Pole. It's Kanye West, Jay-Z, Pusha T, and one or two other people that RZA does the hook, I guess you'd call it. So I was listening, I'm like, hmm. And I started thinking about stuff for the podcast. I don't know how. I guess it's, it's my creative process is weird. So I'm going back and forth in my head, right? And I realized a couple of things that I thought were pretty smart, business-wise. So let's look at what we can learn from a couple. So we're going to start with Wu-Tang Clan. In the early 90s, this was a nine-member group, nine members. They sat down with the record label distribution house, whatever, whatever, that they signed to as a group. And they did something that had never been done before. They said, okay, we're signing you to, let's say, five albums, right? Five album deal. You're going to give me five albums in the next six years, whatever it was. No, this is what you have to do. And the Wu-Tang Clan says, all nine of you in it, all nine of you have to be, you know, this is your contract. Sign off. But if I understand it right, with the RZA, also known as the RZA Rector, who now does movie soundtracks, you know, kind of like a modern-day Danny Elfman who did Batman and still does movie soundtracks and compositions. Fantastic stuff. Look up Dead Presidents to see what I'm talking about. It's For those of my younger listeners, back in the day, you had movies like um, The Shining and Jaws. And the one with the guy in the basement was telling ee, ee, ee. They used sound effects and lighting and facial expressions to, to really get you. It wasn't about special effects going crazy and CGI. So like I said, RZA did that little tangent. But just so you know, it's, it's the other time when creativity was so different because it wasn't all about computers. You know, so, I don't know, whatever. I'm on a tangent. Let me get off it. So what the RZA lobbied for and was able to gain for the team was... While all nine members of the Wu-Tang Clan signed to a label distribution deal, right, for let's say five albums, whatever it was, as a whole, all nine members individually could then go out and seek their own deal. They could stay on the same label or get another label. So let's say they were on Capitol, they could now go to Duck Down. If they're on Duck Down, they can now go to Aftermath, you know, whatever. This was big, you got to understand. While the nine of us make one group, we can now go out and do something different. I'm not beholden to one master. And I say master kind of tongue-in-cheek because if you look at a lot of record deals, like if you look at TLC, I think their first album, they made like 10 cents an album. And then their second one, I think it was like 12 cents an album. Because they were paying the record label back their advance, they were paying the lawyer and the accountant, who also worked for the record label, all these people, management, everyone's eating up their pockets. So they had albums that were selling 5 million copies back when people were paying 10 to $20 an album. Let's say 15. So if you sell 5 million copies at $15 a piece, three-member group, you know, the simpleton's going to say, oh, $5 a piece, right? 5 million copies. Blah, blah, blah. You have $25 million or something like that, right? No. No. They went bankrupt. It's crazy. So the lesson here is that you can't assume that the content is good for you, A. Well, that actually be B. We're going to put that A. And the next thing you have to understand is that you can put out a quality product and still get screwed over on the paperwork you heard me your product can be quality and because you have a deal with someone or with another entity you can lose out so there's a lot of people they um a lot of the smart entertainers now 
smart people on Instagram who have business and are building out their, you know, their, um, their coaching, mentoring slots. You put everything in a business. See, if you buy the car, there's this guy, his name's Morrison. It's not Mark Morrison. It's something like that. He has Tulsa Real Estate Fund. Right? And he was showing his football player. I forgot who it was. I think it was a linebacker. He's like, you're going to buy the Bentley. He's like, you don't buy it. He's like, you create an LLC, you buy the car, and you lease it back to yourself through the company. And he's like, the great thing about this is right there, you save like $24,000. like, what are you talking about? I said, well, your fees, registration, you're buying it out of business, and your luxury tax, gas are tax. You can manipulate all this. Not manipulate, but you can massage the data, I guess, for a better lack of a term, and have a business that you can actually make money off and also create tax write-offs that are fully legit. Grant Cardone did this with his wife's Range Rover. Vehicle weighed over 5,200 pounds for business use. She had like $120,000 tax write-off. But you got to do your paperwork right. You can't say, I bought it. Here you go, IRS guy. No. There's a system. Learn it, work it. Work it legally. See, people were like, oh, the IRS out to get me and the big banks and uh, the big bosses. Everyone's after the little guy and it's not fair. I deserve to be treated better. Have you done your homework? Because GE's gotten like a $6 billion tax return. I think it was like 2,400 pages. And they probably spent $2 billion to file it, but they got back six. You know what that means? It means you increase your profits. You know how? So now you have money to reinvest. So instead of taking the money from the profits, you take the money from the tax return and pay expenses, pay R&D. And you're like, Tony, I make like, you know, 100 grand a year. That's not me. Well, do your homework and figure it out. Check with your CPA. Pay your CPA. Stop doing QuickBooks or paying the chicken on the table like people used to do. I knew a guy, his girlfriend do the books for companies for like 15 bucks an hour off the books, which was fantastic, right? You know, so basically she's been paid under the table, which is technically legal in almost every state, unless she claimed it later, which she might have, I don't know. I think she did as an independent contractor. Basically, she got cash up front. So that's as soon as she did it legally. At right? that 15, because she got it up front, and then did her 1099 contractor, she had tax breaks, write-offs, but she got the money up front, so it was easier if she handled it right. On the back end, if you handle it wrong, and you owe money to the IRS because you took in all your fees and didn't pay taxes yet, you're stuck. So it's a fine line. And what RZA did in his fine line was he secured a deal for the nine and let all nine people have separate deals individually. So be careful with the paperwork, but the pen is truly mighty than the sword. We're going to do another one before we go to break. Excuse me. Here's an interesting one. So Master P, supposedly he got $10,000 from life insurance from his grandfather or someone like that, right? Someone in his family. And he invested it into his label. Then the rumor has it he bought like 10,000 copies out of the 10, 20 grand he got, supposedly, something like that. But, you know, whatever. If that's what he did to first boost his numbers and it was illegal or against rules or unethical, whatever, quote, that's fine. Whatever. That's not the point of this conversation today. Sticks and stones. Right? I can throw stones, but, um, you know, I'm not perfectly innocent. So we're going to try and just help you learn how to make money using the systems that are already around you. So Master P used life insurance. It already proves, which I've talked about other things, that life insurance would be a very powerful vehicle. Very powerful vehicle. Go look at infinite banking and just think, if you could leave your kids a million dollars, instead of your wife or your spouse or your significant other having to go get two jobs and never see your kids, your kids feel alone because they're with a babysitter they don't know that maybe speaks their language, maybe doesn't. Think about all the impact those little things have. Because you got to get the cheapest person you can find, right? And your kids don't speak Spanish, but you do. And the babysitter does. But your kids, you know, they're like third, fourth generation American. You don't have time to pay or teach them Spanish. You've been working all the time. They can't communicate, right? Are the odds against them that they're expressing their needs properly? You got to think about little things like that. 
but the first five to ten years will change them, right? But here's what Masby did. I like the fact that he used, you know, money from a windfall. That was smart. He didn't go out and buy bling. He invested in himself and his business. So that's the first smart thing he did. But when his record company blew up big time, I mean big. And let's say you want to get Silk the Shocker, or you want to get, I forgot the chick's name on his label, or you want to get Lil Romeo, right? You know, okay, well, we want two out of your ten people on your roster. We just want a little Romeo. We want, you know, we want C-Murder, you know, whatever. Okay, fine. They'll come do the concert, but you got to pay me to perform, too. What? Yeah, I'm going to need ten Gs. Let's say that. Just give me a round of them. I need ten Gs for every show. Whatever. So, I mean, that's my fee. And Lil Romeo's six, and C-Murder's six, and Took the Shocker's six. So, we need $34,000 to come do your performance. Like, wait, what? Yup, that's how we play. You're doing it, and you know what? People paid it for years. I don't know if they still do, but they paid it for years probably a decade. So, whether you wanted to hear Master P perform or not, if you wanted the other people on his label to pop through, you paid. I mean, think about that. Think about how ridiculous that is. You have to pay me to show up whether you wanted me or not. That's massive. He literally was like, Hey, yo. No. This is what I want. So this is what you're going to do. So now you're going to pay. And if I understood it right, it might have been you got to pay for everyone to go. So let's say he had eight people on his label. All eight had to go, which means then you're paying for everyone. So he increased his revenue and got his people out there more exposure. So let's say I had seven people. I added everybody now. I got even more people. Got more exposure. Sorry, I'm parking the car before we go to the next episode of Park. I've increased revenue, opportunity, branding, marketing. And you know, some of you probably say, oh, he's strong-armed people. Theoretically. But the IRS takes your money up front. You get strong-armed every paycheck. I don't know how you say nothing. And y'all yeah, be a little saucy today because I feel like it. I'll be back. It's time to spend some time with Munchies. Alright folks, I am leaving after working my closing shift. Remember, I close once a month. No, I work one Saturday a month for 12 hours roughly and I work, uh, we actually got to reduce the 11 hours, pretty sweet. And I work one day a week, I close. So, for some reason when I close, I come out of here pretty uh, ready to record. I'm not sure why. But the grounds are slick, so I would drive a little slower so we have more time so I can put out part two. Maybe a part three, something. Maybe I should do two parts. I don't know. We'll see how I feel. But, uh, so, what does Tony want to battle about tonight? This guy's always running his yak. Blah, blah, blah. Yakety, yakety, yak. Yak, yak, yak. Oh, he does his yak. Does he own a yak? No, I have an alpaca. Actually, no, I just have some surly cats. So, uh, if you have cats, you know what I mean. If you have older cats, you definitely know what I mean. Mine steal food. They're like dogs, except they're even more uh, aggressive with their theft. It's, it's pretty funny. I'm slowing down here because I see about two uh, jamokes here who are probably going to cut me off in a second to get across three lanes for no reason when they could have done that already. Which irritates the living heck out of me, folks. Literally, like, drive with intention. If I don't drive, just be a phenomenon. See, I'm crazy about this. Crazy. Crazy. But you choose to listen to my car cast. So you get the madness. Wow, this guy just went over a divider. Mine's only like three inches high, but talk about not thinking. But you see, I called it. So we're going to run on a little tangent real quick. So the first thing we'll say is you need to be looking at all times, folks. 
we're going to take a more tactical response to some of our podcasts. We're going to make this a hybrid probably so I can get my brain a break. And we're going to get you different content rather than create a whole new podcast. So um, here's what I mean by that. Your head needs to be on a swivel. If you're in your car and the car stops straight in front of you, your door needs to be locked. You know why? How are they not going to come over and open, grab your open door, yank you, and kidnap you or steal your car? I heard one first responder that says that when he gets in his car, he doesn't put his seatbelt on. And so he's almost out of his complex. So let's say, you know, he comes in, he's about a quarter mile back from the door, not the door, the driveway. So he makes egress from his apartment, gets in his car, and he won't put on his seatbelt because he's afraid that if someone tries to get him, he has less mobility, less reaction time, reaction ability, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, well, my trainer, my boss, everyone, I don't think it's good, but he's like, this is how I feel safest. It's interesting. He's got his head on the swivel in a different way. When you're driving, you need to be looking for what the guy in front of you is going to do and the guy behind you. And new drivers, do it with the guy behind you. Don't. But I like to know what's going on all around me. When I go to church, I try to sit in a spot where I can see the whole room. Same thing when I go to the diner. I like to sit where I can see the entrances. I also usually, when I go places, I check for the exits. Why? Because I need to know what my routes are. I, at my job, was once I asked where the AED was. So I was right here. Oh, it's here. They don't have one. I was like, oh, they have one, but no one knows where it is. If someone has a heart attack, there's only about so much time. And usually with the AED, the defibrillator, there's a lot of first aid supplies. You know, it's it's uh, it's something I take seriously from a prior job. You know, you can lose someone's life within a minute or two of uh, inactivity. can change everything. But your head needs to be on a swivel. Well, Tony, what are you talking about? Well, tactically, you know, Roe vs. Wade, the 2A Amendment, the one about um, the no-knock raids are accessible. You know, they can come in your house if you're less than 100 miles more. Less than 100 miles from the shoreline, etc. Do your own research. A lot of other stuff the Supreme Court's done. Plus, you know, depending on how you feel like liberal immigrants or not, it came up in the news today that New York City's mayor was like, this is impeding our schools, our you know, our homeless shelters. It's happening all across. The long, long story short of it, folks, is there's a lot going on. You need to be ready. You need to be prepared. You have to fight for your business. I did a story called COVID MVPs about the guys who switched from making small batch IPAs and you know funky tasting vodkas to hand sanitizer. They were ready on the swivel. They got moving fast. They helped people. They helped the nation, you could argue. And they kept their money. But more importantly, they kept their employees going. Remember I was talking about life insurance in another podcast? You want to keep your key persons in. And if that's the guy who knows how to get the hops running just right and the beer, you need to do that, folks. These aren't, these aren't like, you know, these aren't ideas. This is what you got to do. You got to keep your staff. If your staff are good and they're loyal and they're with you all the time, you need to make sure they stay. So your head has to be on the swivel for that as well. There are a thousand reasons I can give you why you need to listen. But if you're listening to my podcast, I think you already are. Because there are way more experienced people. But I think I give you a different slant. But your head has to constantly be on the swivel, folks. You need to be looking for the worst case scenario like Batman and planning for it. Without making yourself a negative Nelly. Because you don't want to make yourself full on negative hate in life. That's different. You know, don't give yourself an ulcer. So you need to be smart. You need to think ahead. You need to use all your resources. I mean, like, I'm always talking these cars, right? But I see things. I like to see what's going on behind me because if someone's driving up bad out of hell, are they going crazy? What's this one doing? And once I saw cars come racing, it was like a white Corolla and I feel like a gray uh, Kia Forte, something like that. And I was like, these got to be some young fools trying to be fast, these little, you know, economy cars, you know, whatever. Mom mobiles, or some people call Corollas. I like to chat with my coworkers, somebody drives a mom mobile with that. But whatever, so. The white Corolla tries to do something like dip across, and they're going like a hundred something, right? Because I'm going like seventy and a sixty-five, so I'm I'm good, right? Maybe I was going seventy-one. I don't think I was even going that fast, no honestly. But you get the point. 
and the white car cuts across all three lanes from the right to the left. I could have sworn they hit the divider. I'm hitting the brakes, looking behind me, trying to see who's close. Ends up, they end up getting off the same light I do. So even if they hit the wall, it just, they kept moving forward. Like, I don't know what happened, but I see them at the light. They get off the same way as I do. This skinny kid leans at the back, almost his whole body, like, it looks like he's out like his, where you would bend at the waist is on the door line. He's looking at the whole body. Then the girl who's driving, she gets out, looks at the car, well, there's no damage. But see, I was already trying to see what was going to happen, what I was going to deal with. Because if I slam on my brakes, because that car's about to bounce off the wall, and come across three lanes and hit cars and cause damage, maybe even flip, who knows. If I jam too hard, I create access behind me, someone hits me. So your survival is always important. Your business is too. You need to look what the Fed's doing. You need to look what's going on. There was a lot of money put out during COVID to help business survive. And a lot of it was a big businesses. You know why? Because they're more able to, they're, um, not they can predict, but a lot of big businesses, they use their resources to get ahead. Like I was talking earlier, the GE getting a, you know, $6 billion tax return, probably paying $2 billion for it. It's a $4 billion return, but they have more lawyers, more accountants, more everything. You got to do the best you can with what you have to grow. Maybe you barter with a CPA. Figure something out. Get ahead. You know, the PPP loans or PPI, whatever they're, I don't know what they were called, but there were money out there for companies. And nine of small business got it. And as small business owners, we have to be ready to pivot. You have to be the Batman. You have to be. Because the sad reality is you're not Bruce Wayne. Use what you have. Profit. So let's get into the next part of uh, how that works out for you. As a content creator, possibly, or a small, you know, small businessman, a uh, person who creates uh, doodads and trinkets and winky doos. So here's something I thought was really smart. So Kanye West, right? I might be a little off the numbers. Just go with the story. Kanye West, think what you want. Fool, full of himself. Why would he marry Kardashian? I think he's a ridiculous person. I'm in love with him. I have a poster above my bed. I don't care. His first album, I think they gave him $2 million to produce it and, you know, get it all done, right? He has $2 million for your budget. So Kanye goes, spends $500,000 to finish the album, pocket to the one point five. So right there out of his advance, he only owes five hundred dollars back. Now he's got money to live, make moves, you know, get things flowing, maybe get some studio time if you're smart. I don't know what he did with it, but I know for a fact he only used five hundred, dollars so he used 25% of what he was given to finish an album that probably went platinum, I'm sure. It went gold at least the first week, I'm guaranteeing. Just if I remember right from when I... I didn't buy it, actually. I had a friend who bought it. I think you guys listened to it, and then by then I was like, eh, whatever. Like, I liked him, but I just... I probably heard more mixtapes that had a couple of his songs on it, like the well, Jesus Walks Me in the Back of the Wire and so that. But that was really strategic of him, folks. Think about that. We've talked about it before that I said, you know, in hip-hop, it's crazy because, you know, you're paying uh, your artists. I think I was talking about TLC. They were getting, like, 12 cents an album. Well, Kanye turned it around and he made a profit. Now, I know you're going to say, well, Tony, that's not a profit because, like you say, he owes it back. Well, I don't actually know if he owes it, but let's assume he did. He only owes $500,000 now because, in theory, he could hand $1.5 back or he could spend it differently. If he just spent $2 million on, you know, uh, guest vocalists and instrumentalists and licensing beats and doing all this different stuff and special advertising, if that was all going to come out of that $200, $2 million, since he produced that, I'm pretty sure he did all the beats, probably some of the production. I don't remember. I have to look at it. Do your own homework, like I say. Assuming Kanye did most of that stuff and, not, and didn't outsource to other people, he's now only in arrears on 500 grand. 
If he does his tours right and he gets 50,000 per show, he only has to do 10 shows to be a zero owed. If it was in advance. Now, the hour I gave him the loot, then he owes even less. Let's stick with the advance. So now he has the money back. He already had some buzz. You know. He was, you know, he was he knew what he was doing, you could argue. So for me personally, I think that was a perfect strategy. You take 500, finish the project, uh, whatever you're working on, and you put the rest aside for a rainy day or for other business ventures. So we're gonna finance your finishing your project, right? Give you two million. So you tell me that, right? Tony's gonna take 500 pay for that, right? I might then put the money in a business, I'm gonna create another business, start buying some real estate. Right? Maybe I buy a small business and I play my album there continuously. There's a hundred things you can do. I can buy sneakers and then pay other people to flip them. There's this kid in this church in a church I grew up in. He had other kids selling um, buttons for him with a sneaker drawn on it by hand. Like he made these handmade buttons. Like literally like a button, you know, with the pin in the back and you put it through your sweater. He was selling five bucks a piece and I think give the kids a dollar or two. It's pure profit. Pure profit. After cost of let's say let's say two dollars for the kid and fifty cents a button, he still made two fifty back plus his two fifty spent. That's pure profit, folks. He was drawing phone posits with his own hand. Not even like a fancy drawing, something looks ill, like wow, we gotta, this is um Virgil Abloh drew a sneaker. No, it's this kid who flips sneakers. But it's amazing, this kid, I remember I was talking to mom and she's like, he had his father put some sneakers on a credit card that went to the sneaker con and sold them, made like a three, four hundred dollar profit, gave his father back all his money that he spent on the credit card, which is obviously his father you put on a credit card, right? He paid him back in like two days, so there was no interest to his father, didn't hurt his father, didn't hurt him, and he made profit. Without having to go to a job he hates, without traveling you know, 50 miles from his house, without moving to Sitka, Alaska, to become a rescue swimmer, all this stuff he did, boom, bam, done. And I argue this is very similar to what Kanye did. <clears throat> Excuse me. You invest right, you move right, and you're good to go. Kanye took the five, finished the project. Because remember, unless they tell you out of this two million, you got to spend a certain way, you can do whatever you want. It makes perfect sense, folks. I don't care what you say, it makes perfect sense. So the first lesson we have right there then is that Kanye West's smartest move to date, besides some of the real estate he's invested in, um, put back, you know, fancier, I'd say, you know, say whatever you want about his marriages and his uh, Amber Roses and all that kind of crap, but man, was it super smart. You give me two million, I spend five, I got 1.5 to invest or pocket with time to take care of the rest. That's, that's pure gold, folks. I don't care what you're saying. That is pure gold. So like I said, what can you learn there? It's real simple. Watch your pennies and dollars. Don't, don't you know, I got two million? Okay, I'm going to get so-and-so to record. I'm going to get Bob to do this. I'm going to get Stacey to do that. And I'm, I'm going to get Maynard to do the beat. I'm going to get Tito to do this. You don't do all that. Why would you pay someone to do something you can do yourself? Now, I'm talking up and coming. Now you got my money doing things different. When Jay-Z did the album with Kanye, they were saying that they had some, some issues because Jay-Z wanted to keep it small and pocket more money. And Kanye was like, let's do big shows. We're going to have... Theatrical events, all kind of craziness. They had different mindsets, different wants, different needs. So you need to be aware of what your goal is, who your partners are. That's the third lesson there, I guess, in that. Bob might be your partner, and Bob may not be the person to work with because you have different goals. You'll be diametrically opposed. 
And paper ruins marriages and businesses fast. We'll come back, actually, because I've been talking for a minute. And do the next one. I got two more examples for you. All right, folks. So, almost home. Let's get this show on the road, right? So, we talked about Kanye, Master P, etc., etc., So let's keep it moving. We're going to talk about Hove, right? We're just talking about Hove and him and Kanye doing an album together, what that meant for business, etc. So here's another interesting thing. If you're uh, in my age bracket where you were probably, a, and you were a hip-hop fan, most likely, and if you're from the East Coast especially, you love Jay-Z or you're just infatuated him because he's on MTV and BET and 97, 98.7, 95.5. You know, these are all, of course, back when I was in the radio station, whatever station knows where you live, but... It's called One Take Hove. And the reason that that's because Jay-Z would record a song in one take. Now, for the stands up there, you're like, oh my God, I'm so enamored with this man. He only needs one take. No wonder I'm a super fan. Calm down, fool. Let me tell you what the true brilliance is. It's not that he could do it in one take. It's not like, oh, he does it in one take. That's so cool. He's better at this than I am. This, that, and the other, and I could, it takes me like seven takes for my breathing, and this, that, and the other, and I just don't know how he does it. That's all good and well. But, for me, it's a little something different that happens. It's just a little bit different what I'm looking at. Sorry, trying to park this over there's people running around my fool. Like, it's bedtime, get out of my way. So the reason is in one take hove, because initially he wasn't really trying to be a rapper. He had other um, objectives in mind, shall we say. You know, so they, they kind of convinced him. And he's like, all right, all right, whatever, I'll do this. Let's just handle this, whatever. But, you know, studio time can be very expensive. Very expensive. Prohibitively so for many people. So by being one take hove, something amazing happens. Rather than doing 50 takes and having to redo and recut and re-edit and blah, blah, blah. Your boy Jay-Z, all he did, let's put it like this. If studio time was $80 an hour, Jay-Z would cut a whole album in four to six hours. Because he was only doing one take. So when I was doing my mixtape, I had to redo over and over and over and over. In one hour, I'd get maybe a song. Imagine if I could do six songs an hour. I don't need two hours of studio time for a 12-song album. So if you complete in one take, you save money, which means now, because you spent less, you make more. Jay-Z lowered his cost so much that he didn't have to worry about other stuff. So there's the money-saving aspect. right? He said, man, Jay-Z did so 15 tracks. He's doing five an hour. He did a 15-track album in three hours at $80 an hour, and he paid 240 to do a whole album. Was there's a guy I used to work with that was trying to record an album. He was um, claimed to be an affiliate of Dipset. Don't really know. We worked there for like two months. I don't really know, but um, they were going to the studio, like you know, paying for like four to six hours, chilling with the chicks, getting bed, recording a song or two. And I'm like, yo, I don't got money for that. Like, I'm like, that's cool and all, but them chicks ain't paying them rent. They cost you rent. You know, that's cool and all, but when I'm looking, I'm like, you know, even back then, I, was, I think I'd already stopped. No, this was before I started trying to record a mixtape. I was still just writing rhymes because I was love. I love words, folks. 
And I'm like, so you go in there and get bent. You can get bent at home. My voice just cracked. Trying to impress chicks. When you could just do what you got to do and get out. Which to me is just way more sensible. Whatever. Everybody you know, teaches own. But see, there's a bigger part. So we've talked about this indirectly or directly over and over that. It's time management's a big thing, right? By being one take hold, let's say I'm jumping on your album, right? Betty, let's say you're my artist, right? You're signing my label. I'm going to jump on your album. He did the track, um, Welcome to New York City, when Cameron was on the Rockefeller, right? Rumor is they weren't even talking to each other. They couldn't stand each other. And Jay-Z didn't like that, um, you know, supposedly Dame Dash had signed him and this wasn't agreed upon. I'm in the South France vacation. You make it moves without me, blah, blah, blah. Animosity, this, that, and the other. They recorded Welcome to New York City. Jay-Z did his one take in the studio on the day the comedy was, comedy, camera wasn't even there. So regardless of what needed to be done or wanted to be done, Jay-Z did one take, handled his part of the deal, brought money to his label, expanded his brand. So if every track is one take, you don't waste no money, but you don't waste no time. And time is money, right? We talked about this. Shark Tank, Mark Cuban, Damon Dash, Barbara Corker. They're like, yeah, I need some money from you. Or better yet, you need some money from me, so I need a percentage. No, no, I need more. No, no, I need more. No, no, seriously, give me some more. I need, I need 32%. Because I'm going to spend a lot of time to get this running. To get this to help you scale to 10 figures repeatedly, we're going to do XYZ, so I, that's what I need from you. All right, no problem, no problem, blah, 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 we got this. And there you go. You have to value your time. You really do, folks. You can have, you know, um, meeting parties. Okay, let's all get together, exchange your business cards, and have a party, we'll have drinks, mimosas, yay. And that sounds all fun, but did you actually network or did you just get bent and then just add their phone card to your phone maybe the next day if you didn't forget them or cover them in booze and you knocked over that girl's cup trying to talk to her friend who was hot? You feel me? There's strategies to this. There's, there's momentum you got to build. There's things you got to do. So to sum it up, one take hove, save Jay-Z time and money. So if you save money, you make more profit, right? Because you didn't cost you $1,000 to make the album, it cost you 400 so that's cheaper. Even if I went to profit later, right now you're not putting on money. So you have more money in your pocket. Which for me, folks, when I have more money in my pocket, or my bank account, it's a little easier to breathe. I feel more relaxed. You know, it's it's you know it's it's just better. There's more money in the hand. You know, it just feels nice. You know, tell me how you feel the day before payday when you're broke, and they have to get your payday, your bonus, and your tax terms. But you just save time and money, right? Like time is super valuable. That's time in theory you can invest in something else. So if it, took, if it takes the average rapper a month to record an album, just record it. Not even counting going back and editing, adding a little yay, yay in the background kind of stuff. And Jay-Z can do it in, let's say, five days. He now has three weeks back, roughly, to invest in other projects, other businesses, uh, building a brand, showing up the brand. I've told Jay-Z, look for my podcast on Jay-Z too. You know, dip into Rockware, spend more money doing marketing for the, for the you know, the partial business, make money for booze, you know, Armin Yak, Armin Hammer, whatever you want to call it, I don't know. But we're done with Jay's. I got one more for you. One more. So, there's this guy called uh, Immortal Technique, right? Yeah, he's from New York. And I like his track, Dominant Species. He's an independent artist. He's 
the inner city. He got arrested. He was young, did some time, and it changed the way he looked at things. It's, it's uh, if you hear his words, he like he said, "Stupidity is not allowed by me. No possibility." He had kind of like a single, not really a single. I don't have to explain it, but listen to Dominant Species and listen to Dance of the Devil. It's a nine-minute song, but it's crazy. I heard that my boy put me onto in probably 1999, 2000, probably 2000, 2001, and it blew my dome back. It was, it's one of the greatest story songs of all time. I don't care what anyone says. It's fantastically amazing. But. So right now, the last thing he's probably famous for that a lot of people know him for is he was big in Occupy Wall Street a couple years ago. Whatever. I don't care about his politics. But check this out. We talked about TLC, right? We talked about locks. The locks were making like maybe 15 bucks an hour to put on an album on Diamond. Maybe 15 bucks per, per person. That's crazy. The album brings in $50 million and you're going to get $15 per hour equivalent time. That's that's ridiculous. So then you didn't really make no money. $15 an hour, folks, if you work 40 hours, it's only thirty grand a year before taxes. That's nothing. That is nothing. Unless you're with mom and dad and they pay all your bills. Then you're, you're Gucci. Do whatever you want. But you know, we're trying to get big boy money, folks. I'm, I'm trying to get to hundred grand next year, the minimum. I'm trying to get a job that pays 70 ish and I make another third of my own to say. Just to give you a ratio. Not, not, that's not the real ratio, but I'm just throwing some out you can see what I'm, you know, get you an idea of what I'm thinking of. So that 30 grand is nothing to me when I could be making 30 on the side and 70 somewhere else. So I get a base to, you know, feed, let's say. Just to give you throw out round numbers. I'm saying that's my actual income is what I'm going for. I just want to paint a picture, like I said. But here's what's really interesting about Immortal Technique. While rappers are signing to labels and doing all this foolishness, look at distribution deals. Because even the distribution deal, if you've got your own label, you still got to do what they want. They're still pushing for you. It's still like, we don't distribute. You, you kind of still got a boss. You got like a mafia type boss because you're going to do what we tell you. Anybody remember the show from the 90s, Dinosaurs? The father works for We Say So Corporation? Yeah, we Say So. You know, you're going to go out there and make a rap about Donald Trump because we don't like him. You're going to go out there and make a rap about Cindy Lauper. You're going to go out there and you're going to make a rap about Al Gore. It doesn't matter what it is, but because you're signing to us and these are our objectives, you're going to do it. Let me give you an example. Benzino put out an album. And he got like four, four and a half mics in the source. People are like, yo, he's not even that good. They're like, he only got this because he's part co-owner. It's him and another guy, David something. They're like, they bring the magazine. Now, the source was big, big, folks, big. If you got a hip-hop quotable, an interview in there, and they read, depending on how many mics they read you, it was a big deal. And people are like, nah, that's phony, whatever, yo. So you might have a master. The first part of what I'm going to tell you before we get to the real lesson on the city is I love the fact that he did it all in-house. So check this out. By doing all in-house, here's what he did. For the politics part, put that aside to Masters. Immortal Technique was putting out his own albums. He was pressing them, printing them, mailing them, recording them, producing, arranging. He did just about everything. Let's say 95%, if not 100. On his own, with no help. You wanted albums, he was shipping them. You wanted LPs, he was shipping them, recording them, pressing them, or maybe recording one or two and making a deal like that. He was, put his, the bottom line is he was doing it all himself. So here's what he did. By cutting out like five to ten middlemen, he kept most of the profit. So if 100 CDs sell for $10 a piece, right? Let's say, let's say $10. Well, let's say, oh yeah, I don't know, whatever. Let's say he has to do a thousand CDs, right? And they cost a buck a piece of print. So forget the studio time, right? He's already got that done. It's going to cost him a dollar a piece to print these thousand CDs, right? To fulfill the first couple orders. There's a thousand CDs, right? And it costs him a buck, but he's gonna sell them for 15 bucks. So he's now making a $14 profit on every CD. 
Now, you can say that we have to add in the time he spent, because time is money, so, you know, he's bagging up his own merch, he's doing it all, blah, 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 but let me get out the calculator here. So, we're going to say 1,000 CDs, all right, and we're going to do it times $15, 15 Gs, minus the $1,000, that's $14,000 profit. Now, let's add another zero to that, he sold you more copies. So, now he's got 140 but wait, no. Wait, wait. Let's go back. I'm gonna pull out the calculator again. So he doesn't sell a lot, right? He's not a, he's not selling. He's doing more concerts. We're gonna put that aside, though. So let's say he sells two hundred fifty thousand copies of his new album, right? So we got two hundred fifty thousand, right? Times fifteen dollars. Without all those minimum, he made three point seven five million dollars. Just under four mil, right? And it's only a dollar per copy, right? So we're gonna minus two hundred and fifty thousand. So Moto Technique was left over three point five million dollars. Now, if he has his business stuff done right, he's writing off his expenses. He's touring. He's got merch he's making. Maybe he makes his own t-shirts and wears those. He's writing all that off. His calls. His you know he bought the equipment to press the albums. Write that off. You buy a thing of shrimp wrap, you write that off. You get your stamp station knock set up. You write that off. All of that's a write-off. So if he does it right, this 3.5, maybe he only pays five in taxes. So if he pays $500,000 in taxes, he made a $3 million profit by doing it all on his own. And he's beholden to no man. Think about that. Your boss can't tell you what to do. You handled your business and you walked with $3 million in a year. Maybe two years. Okay, so 1.5 million a year. So let's do this again. Because I'm going to be a schmuck tonight. 1.5 million dollars. Divided by 12. Means he makes $125,000 a month. Right? And we're times that by 12. And let's say he gets 26 paychecks a year, right? We're going to do it that way. It's simple. So we're going to divide that by 26. Every paycheck he brought home was $57,692.30. And 30 cents. 31 cents, sorry. So every two weeks, like most of us work, right? You get paid every two weeks. 24 checks, right? Because there's, you know, there's a, you know, these the months where there's three paychecks, right? In those cycles, which we all love because it's like, oh, I got a piece of breathe with. So we take the money he made. He made $57,692.31 every paycheck. Every two weeks. Are you making $57,000 a year? Wait, wait, wait. No, are you making $114,000 a year? Wait, wait, wait. Three-check cycle, right? Are you making $172,000 a year? Why aren't you? What are you not doing? What are you leaving behind? Where are you slacking? What could you do more of? What are you afraid to do? What are you outsourcing? What would make you happier? Knowing you can be fired and replaced at any minute? Or leaving a legacy you own? Yeah, that pose is intentional. You need to think, folks. You need to ask yourself the hard questions. Anybody can be a worker bee. Anyone, right? 
The pawn is nothing until he crosses the entire war, entire board of war. Until he crosses the entire battlefield, he's nothing. He becomes a queen. The queen has carte blanche to run across the field. Let me repeat that. The pawn has to win, has to damn near win a battle. The queen is carte blanche out the gates. You can move your pawn for two slots, let the queen run loose right out the gate. She can do everything except the L shape move. Why can't she do that too? I haven't played in a while, folks. You get the point, but. You need to look at these lessons and see where you're missing. Now, if you're outsourcing with Alibaba and then getting it to your hard door and putting a sticker on it and putting it back in the same pocket, same package, even, and you got a stamp.com machine and you worked it all out, that's fine. Maybe you don't need to do more outsourcing. Maybe you need more insourcing. Maybe you don't. Are you a rapper recording 50 times? Hell, are you a podcaster? Are you listening to trying to figure out how I sound stupid and why you couldn't do better? You can do it better. Are you doing it better? Will you do it better? Are you even recording? I know people are like, yeah, I'm going to start a podcast, bro. I've been podcasting since October 2009, folks. It's July 2022 right now. July 20th, 2022. It's 9.42 Eastern Standard Time. Parked in a parking lot recording. The background noise you hear is the air conditioning because it gets too hot. I'm fat. I'm chubby. Biggie said, fat and chubby. He said they love me. He used to say I was too ugly. Now they love me. Whatever he said, but you get the point. He said I'm like fat back and ugly as ever. <laughs> what did Jay say? He said I'm too ugly. Yo. He said, he said, he said, oh, he said billionaires are cute. Something like that. You get the point. It's, like, it's a different dynamic. There's a lot you can do, but you have to do it. No one's going to do it for you, folks. I'm trying to throw you some breadcrumbs, but let's wrap this up. We're not even going to do a wrap one, but you need to do what Kanye did. Cut costs. You Jay did cut costs. Save your time. You need to diversify your bonds, like Wu-Tang and Dave Spelcher, right? A nine-man group was able to go on short nine different contracts separately from the first contract. So one group yielded 10 contracts at 9 or 10 labels in theory. I don't remember how many it was, but they had freedom. They didn't have a master. Same like a mortal technique. He didn't have a master. He's putting on his own. He's pocketing all the costs. Folks, I'm recording on a phone in my car before I go home to read and write, to then go to bed, to wake up to be an opener tomorrow. I close tonight, I open tomorrow, right? I'm putting in the work. You know what I did today? I listened to Grant Cardone. Specifically on how to sell. I'm more on how to sell, how to close. But I guarantee you folks, whatever your business is, you're going to need to sell. You're going to need to sell yourself to the record label. You're going to sell yourself to your business partners. You're going to sell your product to investors. You have to know how to sell. I don't care how good your product is. No one does. They have to buy. They have to buy you. Are you coming in a contemptuous noto brat? Are you coming with a product that's good, but man, this guy sounds like he's sweaty and nasty and he can't sell and the rest of the board members are not going to believe that this guy can do this continuously. People are going to buy what they see, they smell, they know, they taste, they touch. So are you a crappy product or a great product? I'm going to tell you this, if you can sell, your product's pretty good and you're not as ugly as hell, you're going to make it. A lot of these techniques are ugly, but they got an amazing product. And I said, Tony, you're being so 
oh, so, oh, what's the word I can't think about? Are you, you're being so, it's like optimistic. Wait, no, I'm blind. That's not the word. You're being so like, like their appearance don't even matters. It does, folks. You can't dress like an accountant telling you're selling drugs in your rap album. They're not buying it. You have to paint a picture. You know, you, you can't sell everyone your XYZ when you look like ABC. I mean, if you're an undercover cop, sure, but for most of you, it's not going to work. But if you can sell, manage your dollars, do some more of the work initially, pocket some more of the money you would have spent, believe in yourself, and just do the work. I'm telling you, I'm recording on my phone. This is last year's model. Before this, I had a model that came out in 2018. Put in some work. Literally, folks, let me say it this way. I think I'll probably do a podcast on this just to talk about a bunch of stuff I've done. I think I've talked about it indirectly a million times, but just get started today. A perfect nothing does not beat, does not beat a complete something. You want a podcast, but you want it to be perfect, right? You want to get the mic and the booth and the lights and the stand and, you know, make sure you get some editing. You're cute, buddy. I'm already making money. Tony at changeinvance.com. Changeinvance.com is a blog. Started that 10 years ago. There's tons of knowledge on there. You can buy some t-shirts on there, too. Got to put my book links to see. I am slacking some places. Uh, Twitter's tw- Change in Advance. Instagram is Pedagogy of the Fresh. Here's another episode where I spell it out. Tonight, I'm going in to see my wife. Kids are ready to sleep. And uh, stack some stuff under the pillow. I think my son has a tooth. I know I'm a stash of dolphin behaved anyway, so you know. Made me feel good. Because the reward for my kids, well, the reward for me is my kids. And the reason I push, and I have books and podcasts and blogs and hyperlinks that give me affiliate commissions and crap like that. And the reason I buy crypto and stocks is so I can leave a legacy for them and then hopefully sooner have more time to be with them. In fact, let me tell you one more thing. A $30,000 to $40,000 change in my income would cover a newer car, a mortgage, private school with my kids, and not even touch the shot I have at the moment. I literally, folks, need $30,000 to $40,000 to change my life. That's it from where I'm at right now. And you're saying, Tony, that's a lot. It's nothing, folks. Join me on the quest for 40 more. Peace.